I think you know this, but Memorial Day and Memorial Day weekend is not about picnics, parades, sales, or the unofficial start of summer. It's about remembering the sacrifice thousands have made so that you and I can enjoy the freedom to do all of those things and hundreds of things like it. Just in the last 100 years, over 53,000 gave their lives in World War I. Almost 292,000 in World War II, over 33,000 in Korea, over 47,000 in Vietnam, 148 just in Desert Shield and Desert Storm, 4,424 in Iraq, 2,372 in Afghanistan. Add those numbers up. That's a lot of families who have sacrificed everything. Obviously, a lot of people who have sacrificed their lives, but a lot of families who have sacrificed and still live with a memory and still remember what their loved ones were willing to pay. Dozens of us here have been impacted by those who have sacrificed their all. Sons, daughters, aunts, uncles, grandfathers, moms, dads, sisters, brothers, and many other relatives who made the ultimate sacrifice. On Veterans Day, we honor those who serve and have served in the military, and we'll always do that here. I'm as patriotic as anybody you've ever seen. I've got red and white this morning. You've got to find the blue. You find my wife, you'll find that. <laughs> On Memorial Day and Memorial Day weekend, we want to honor those whose families have sacrificed everything for the freedoms that you and I so richly enjoy. So I'd love to ask you, I have two in my family, my uncle and my cousin, whose mom was more like a sister than anybody else, one in World War II and one in Iraq. How many of you in this audience this morning have a family member who sacrificed their lives in combat or in service of some kind? Would you stand just for a moment? I don't know how many we have all over the audience. Oh, some? Thank you. All right. Thank you. We certainly honor all those who serve, and I do that on a regular basis, and those who continue to serve, those who are serving all over the world. We've got brothers and sisters and sons and daughters all over this congregation here this morning and the congregation in the next service who are still serving around the world. I've had the honor of doing weddings for sergeants and captains and majors and lieutenant colonels who are serving all around this planet. We want to never, ever forget their willingness to sacrifice and their willingness to lay down their lives for the ultimate freedoms that you and I so richly enjoy. But on this particular weekend, we really want to honor those who have sacrificed everything, who gave their lives so that you and I can enjoy what we do every single day of our lives. You know we're NASCAR fans, and we never hide that. The opportunity to watch cars go round and round and round and round and round the track and every once in a while, turn right, but most of the time, they're turning left. There's a lot of things I love about a lot of sports. So one of the things that intrigued me about NASCAR is, especially on national television, they still do the invocation, they still televise the prayer, they still televise the honor salute, they televise the star-spangled banner, and the tribute to our military. This particular weekend, on this year, as they do every year, on every single race car is a picture and a name of an individual who sacrificed themselves and were willing to lay down their lives for the freedoms that we enjoy here in the United States of America. On Kevin Harvick's car this particular weekend is Sergeant Brian Hoover. My buddy E.T. is there this particular weekend. His nieces 
ex-fiance is that young man who laid down his life and on every single car and everything they'll do tonight on that race, before the race, and during the race, they honor those who have served. All over this nation, there are a lot of things going on and a lot of celebrations that are going to take place over the next few days, and I'm certainly, you're aware of all of that. But on this particular Memorial Day weekend, like dozens and dozens of other Memorial Days like it, we remember. And may we never forget the sacrifice thousands of families have made, because you can be certain they remember. They'll wake up tomorrow morning and recognize it as Memorial Day, and they'll see flags all over the place, and they'll have one probably at their home somewhere. But inside is that incredibly deep pain that they feel of that son or daughter who didn't come home, who they would love to have seen grow up, who would, they would have loved to see have grandchildren, and all of that. So I know you won't forget, and I know you will remember, but I am telling you as I'm standing here this morning, I guarantee you they will remember what Memorial Day is all about. So I'm asking you to remember them. So when you wake up in the morning and get the picnic ready and you invite family and friends over, I encourage you to just stop for a moment and not only reflect on what we have blessed with and been blessed with that we'll talk about here this morning, but remember some of those families and maybe some that you know, certainly I do, who have sacrificed, who will celebrate and we'll enjoy the day, but they will remember what they have now lost. Remembering or thinking back is something all of us need to do every once in a while, especially in this incredibly fast-paced world that we live in. All of us use the phrase every once in a while, remember when, in the old Alan Jackson song. Now, for those of us who are older, we probably say that a lot. How many of you remember when gas was only a dollar? How, you do? We're going to say things like, remember when the kids were little? We couldn't wait for them to grow up. And now we're finding out they're more expensive now than when they were living with us. Every once in a while you say things like that. Remember when we first fell in love. You're celebrating an anniversary and you look over during that anniversary experience and you look at that mate that you've now been with for all of your life and you think of those moments and say, remember when we first fell in love? And here we are celebrating our 30th or our 40th and our case this summer, our 46th anniversary. Remember when we first fell in love? Remember when I saw those blue eyes? Remember when I, remember when? You're going to go to a family reunion maybe this summer or a family celebration, maybe one tomorrow and you're going to have somebody say, hey, remember when we were kids? And then they're going to share some crazy story. And everybody's going to laugh. Many of them are going to laugh and be really glad because they can still remember <laughs> that story. Because some of them can't. I found every so often that people who are older than I, and that gap is getting narrower and narrower, but people that are older than I, reflect a lot about life and some point of their life they start talking about some of the highlights of their life and in most cases not in every case but in most cases it's about things that went on in a distant past very seldom do they talk about the present but they'll talk a lot about things that happened in the distant past and if you listen very carefully and you observe very carefully you'll find out some of the highlights of their life 
during those experiences. A few weeks ago, I had the honor of participating in the funeral of a guy that I've gotten to be a real good friend with over the last number of months, or last number of years. And during the last six months of his life, almost every single week that I saw him, he talked about his service in the Navy. He served in the Navy in 1969 to 73. You realize how long ago that was? And every single week I saw him, every single conversation we had, he talked about those experiences. If you're sensitive to the people around you who are older than you, and you'll take some time every once in a while to talk to them about, hey, Mom, remember when? Hey, Dad, remember when? What was it like? What did you enjoy? They're going to talk a lot about those events and those occurrences. You want to make sure that you hear those stories. You want to make sure that you also pass along those stories. Now we all have memory lapses too. If you were here last Sunday morning in a first service, I have them every once in a while right in the middle of a sermon. Where all of a sudden you pause and you can't remember anything. You can't remember the next word. Can't remember the next statement. Sometimes we walk down the steps to the basement and we can't remember why we went down there. Every once in a while we open the fridge and we can't remember whether we're putting something in or taking something out. The other day I was working on a project at home and I looked everywhere for a pair of pliers that were literally in my hand. Has <laughs> it ever happened to any of you? I mean, I literally, I had to stop. I spent five minutes looking for a pair of pliers that were in my hand. I went in the house and said, honey, I'm so sorry. Because it's not going to get any better. <laughs> this has only got one way to go. I mean, I got post-it notes all over my office. I put them now in my truck. I have them on my briefcase. I have them at home. I write down notes when I go anywhere. I literally have a list of things right beside me in the truck so I can check them off so that I don't forget any of those things. And I'm thinking, it's not going to get any better. I can take all the ginkgo biloga you've got, and that's probably not going to help me remember Remembering is a really important, or at least it should be, a very important part of our lives. There's an interesting Old Testament passage that God led me to a couple of weeks ago that I want you to go with me this morning into Joshua chapter 4. We finished our series over the last number of weeks, and for the next few weeks we're going to spend some time in, in the Old Testament. This particular week, by the way, all the CNMA pastors and missionaries from around the world are gathering in Orlando, Florida for what we call General Council. It's an opportunity for us as pastors and lay people and missionaries to gather every other year. And uh, they're gathering, so pray that everything goes well. My wife and I have the privilege of being a part of the morning service on Wednesday morning, so we would really appreciate your prayers. But uh, it's a great experience for a lot of pastors who don't find the encouragement that I get every single week from you that are going to be there waiting to be lifted up and encouraged and prayed for and prayed over. So if you can remember that, I know they would appreciate it because a lot of them go just to get their batteries recharged because the next two years before they get to go to another one, those batteries are going to be depleted a lot. And Joshua chapter 4 is a fascinating story. Joshua is now the new leader of the children of Israel. God had been taking them from their bondage in Egypt to where they were slaves to the promised land in Israel. Moses, the servant of God who had taken them from that bondage of Egypt all the way to the edge of the promised land, went into the presence of Almighty God, and Joshua was named as the new leader. 
A great story, a great sequence of events. You ought to read all of those stories in Exodus, but you'll watch this sequence of events and the preparation process of Joshua to get to where he's at. They cross over the Red Sea. They escape the armies of Egypt in God's miraculous intervention. He literally parted the water and the children of Israel walked through the other side. And it wasn't ankle deep, it wasn't waist deep, it wasn't up to their chest. It was literally over their heads and God parted it because when they went through and got out to the other side and the Egyptian army were after them, God put the water back down and they all died. So you got to think what it was like for them to all of a sudden look backwards over that Red Sea and recognize what God had just done. But they got to keep moving. Now Moses is gone and Joshua takes over and he comes now to another barrier. Does everything different than what Moses did, but all of a sudden now the, the leaders or the elders of the nation of Israel at that particular point had the Ark of the Covenant in it with some manna that reminded them of God's provision. In it was Moses' rod. They've been, Harrison Ford's been looking for that Ark ever since. All right, they had that ark, and in that was all of those things that represented the hand and power of God in their lives. And on this particular occasion, instead of Moses touching the Red Sea and the water parting, Joshua said to the leaders of Israel, look, I want you to walk into the water. I've often wondered how far into that water did they walk before God parted this particular Jordan River. I mean, did they just go to their ankles and all of a sudden, as soon as they touched it, open up? Was it here? Was it? How far into it did they have to go before they knew God was going to provide? And God was going to part those waters just like he did the Red Sea. We pick up the story in Joshua chapter 4. After indeed God did part the water, they go through to the other side. Now, you're in Joshua. I love for you to be in the Word of God. I know it's going to be on the screen. I love that. But I hope you have your Bibles with you. I hope you bring them with you. Hope you mark them up and refer to them a lot. You can certainly do that in your iPad or iPhone. Joshua chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. When the whole nation, not most of them, when the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, I want you to choose 12 men from among the people, one from every tribe. I want you to tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing. I want you to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you'll stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, each one from every tribe. And he said to them, I want you to go over to the ark, I want you to go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you are to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Now, they're, they're following this obedience. They're listening to these commands. And I got to believe if they were around when the Red Sea came back in and flooded over the nation of, of Egypt, they're wondering, wait a minute, we got through. We're out on the other side. Now you're telling us to go back in and get a stone. Why can't we just take a stone from right here in the bank? I'm not taking any chances. To go back into that. I saw what happened in the Red Sea. No, he said, I want you to go right back out to where you were. Right where the priests were standing with the ark. And I want you to pick up a stone. Now, it's, you notice what it says. Put on their shoulders. So it wasn't a pebble. It was a stone. They're going to put it on their shoulders. They're going to come to the other side. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. 
These stones, verse 7, are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did just as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord told Joshua. They carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been taken from the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there to this day. Would you love to go see if you could find them? Now move to verse 20. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones he had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Joshua wanted to make sure that they never forgot God's mercy. Joshua wanted to make sure they never forget God's faithfulness in their journey into the promised land. So he set up these memorial stones as an opportunity for them every time they looked at them to remember God's faithfulness, God's grace, God's mercy. He said, I not only want you to remember that, I want you to pass that on to the next generation. I never want us to forget what God has done. Now the fascinating thing about this, it seemed to be that God had the exact same concern. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. You get the context of Joshua 4, bringing these memorial stones out of Jordan, setting them up so that every time they looked at them, they remember what God had done. He was concerned that they would forget. God was concerned that they would forget. This is what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you here today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you get up, when you lie down. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house or on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you to the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you, a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you didn't provide, wells that you didn't dig, vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant, that when you eat and are satisfied, be very careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. God said, look, when you receive all the benefits, I never want you to forget what I have done. When you're enjoying life, when you're enjoying your picnic tomorrow, you've got food that you'll probably have to put in the refrigerator because you have so much of it. Never, ever forget what God has done. Never, ever forget what God has provided. Never, ever forget the sacrifice those have made so that you have enough food that you still have leftovers that you can put for the next three days into your refrigerator somewhere and then try to remember where they're at and which ones you ate. Never forget. God is so concerned that the Israelites are going to forget once they experience all the goodness of God. He says, I want you to remember that you have been blessed by me. I not only want you to remember that, I want you to see how important it is that you pass it along to the next generation. I hope at some point in your journey of life, whatever that may be, could be a memorial celebration, a family reunion, whatever that may be, that every once in a while that you pass along to the next generation some of the things you've seen God do. 
We so often focus on the moment. And we think our children really don't care. And in many cases, they will act like they really don't care. But I encourage you to pass on to the next generation, to the ones that come behind you, and not wait till you're a grandparent, but pass on to the next generation what you have seen God do. How you've seen God bless you or your family. How you've seen God heal you. How you've seen God save. Remember your salvation. Remember what it was like to walk in darkness. And now you're walking in light. If you were here last Sunday morning, we had, I loved last Sunday morning's baptismal service in both services. When some of the people that were there were talking about their story. What it was like to feel like they weren't ever going to come back. And then God in his miraculous grace and Received them in, loved them. They were in difficult circumstance, difficult relationships, whatever the story may have been. But all of a sudden, you hear their stories, and they remember that particular moment, what God had done in their lives. My hope is that they never forget what God did in their journey. And I hope you as a parent, you as a grandparent, remember to tell your kids what God had done in their journey of life. How he healed, how he touched, how he restored, how he saved, how he walked you from one step to the next. Failing to remember can happen in the good times and the bad times of our lives. When things are going well, we have a tendency to forget how we got there and fail to see God's faithfulness in getting us there or blessing us at the moment. And when things are going bad, we have a tendency to only focus on the moment, only focus on the difficulty that's right in front of us and fail every once in a while to look back over our lives and see all the goodness and blessings of God along the way. Because all we're seeing right now is what we're dealing with now. I don't know if any of you journal. I'm not going to ask you that. But a lot of people journal for that particular reason. Because they don't want to forget. They remember praying. They remember asking God to intervene. But sometimes if we're not careful, we'll forget what he has done. Because now we're only focused on this one. And we can't figure out why God hasn't answered yet. And we forget how many times he answered along the way. If we're not careful, that can happen to any of us at any spectrum of life. So God says very, very clearly, remember. Fast forward. Through hundreds of years of times and the most unbelievable event that we just celebrated on Easter weekend. Of the death and resurrection of Christ. He's in the upper room with his disciples. They're sharing a final meal. He had been telling them all along what was going to take place, what was going to happen, how difficult it was, how difficult it was going to be, the sacrifice he was willing to make. He said, I, I, I need you to understand the context of all of that. So he gets them in the upper room and they prepare this final meal. Now they have no idea it's the Last Supper. We've been calling it the Last Supper for 2,000 years. They didn't call it the Last Supper. They just knew it was a meal with Jesus. Paul rehearses that in Corinthians. He said, I'm now passing along to you what I heard about when Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples. How the Lord Jesus, right before he was betrayed, the very night he was betrayed, took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is done for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way after supper he took the cup. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this Whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. I love the message version of that because he just simply says, remember me. Remember me. Remember what I've done. Remember the sacrifice that I made. Remember where you were. Remember now what it's like to be clean and whole 
and all your sin gone and all that, <coughs> that stuff in your life gone and passed away. And now you got a brand new start, a brand new opportunity for life. Remember. Remember. When you see it in here, you'll notice that he never mentions how often we do it. Some churches, some denominations have interpreted it very differently. Some churches share it every week, some once a month, some once a quarter. In most CNMA churches, we share it on the first Sunday of the month. Here, we hardly ever share it on the first Sunday of the month. It's when it fits into the context. I grew up Presbyterian, and in that particular context, you couldn't take communion until you were 12. I have no idea why that was the magic age. We moved when I was 11 and three quarters. I had waited for years for that moment. And then I came to Christ and a full salvation and understood that and came to an Alliance church and found out we got to celebrate it every week or every month and to remember. And it wasn't about age. It was about a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no mention of how often or how when, but it does say every time you share this meal, every time you eat this bread, every time you drink this cup, remember. How could we forget? I think if we're really honest, we understand how easy it could be. This weekend, we remember the sacrifice thousands have made that allow us to enjoy our freedom. And we ask you again to remember and never forget. This weekend, we also remember the sacrifice that God of the universe made in sending us his son who paid the ultimate price for our freedom. And so my hope this morning as we share communion is that you spend a lot of time remembering. In just a moment, the communion stores all over the audience are going to come. They're going to pass out these elements. If you've never been here before, you'll notice that everything is in one tray. The bread in the middle, the cup on the surrounding side. We're going to ask you to help your neighbor and take the bread and take the cup and then hold it for a while until I lead you in partaking of it at the end. What I would love for you to do while you have the bread and have the cup in your hand, spend a lot of time remembering. Remember what it was like when you first accepted Jesus. Remember back to when you were walking in another way of life and all of a sudden Christ radically transformed your life or just showed up when you were 5 or 55. And you recognize now how unbelievably blessed you are in your relationship with Jesus. Remember. Remember the people in your life who invested into your life, who had the opportunity to share the love of God with you and Then you came into the family of God and they welcomed you and they surrounded you with love and God's grace. Remember your own blessings. Remember the things you've learned in good times. Remember the things you've learned in the difficulties of life. Remember God's presence in the midst of the deepest, darkest valley of your life who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. Remember. Remember those who have sacrificed their all for the freedoms that we enjoy this morning in celebrating this. Father, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your amazing grace. Help us to never forget, to always remember what you have done, what you have provided, the price you were willing to pay for the freedom that we enjoy, for the opportunity to hold these elements in our hands this morning that remind us of that sacrifice. So, Father, as we spend some time in reflection and remembering, I 
pray that you'll clearly speak to our minds and hearts and you'll hear us as we say to you how grateful we are for what we have and what we enjoy in Jesus. Community stores will come. Again, I'm going to ask you to wait.